0: long to see the sunlight in your hand And tell you time and time again How much I care Sometimes I feel my heart will overflow Let you know.
1: Hello, I've just got to let you know. Lionel Richie, one of oh. just one of exactly Stephen Franks. Are you enjoying it? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what it was. No, well, he's just one of many greats to play at the King's Coronation yeah. Concert. Hello, is it me you're looking for? Will be one of the many messages King Charles will be receiving over the next few days. Meanwhile, things have been heating up in the UK big time. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. He was given sausage rolls as a present by King Charles and was photographed with them. So I want to gauge on how important the event is, not just to the thousands of listeners across the motorway, but to our panellists, using them as a barometer. Stephen Franks, you first. Do you have a Union Jack in your office?
2: No. Um, as, a, as a constitutional lawyer, it's sort of immaterial. It's just theatre, because... <laughs> He became the king immediately. The queen died. And so that's the constitutionally significant thing that happened. And the rest is part of the theatre or the spectacle that um, maintains the mystique and maintains the interest that's so proper in many ways. I'm glad it's happening. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to pay for it. I'm glad we get the free benefit of it, and it avoids having all the problems of um, working out how to have a president who will stick Mm. it reserve powers and not try to become a genuine president. So, no, I, I look at it as theatre, spectacle.
1: Okay, interesting. Yes, yeah, so on that note, as a constitutional lawyer, will you be, in the comfort of your own home, be taking the homage of the people?
2: Will you be taking the pledge? No, I probably won't watch, but I'll have plenty of family representatives who will. I, I... I'll, I'll feel, I'll, I'll delegate or I'll, I'll allow myself to take the benefit of those in the family who will be fascinated. Zoe.
3: Yeah, nah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I've got friends who are getting together for a bit of a party and stuff like that, and I've been invited and that's very nice. Um, but it's not really my thing. Uh, I, don't get me wrong, though, I did watch the royal weddings just really to see the dresses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I don't know. And the cost of this as well, even though they've said they've paid it back, it's still approximately 200 million New Zealand dollars and, and England are currently experiencing uh, a, cross, a cost of living crisis like they haven't seen since World War Two. So that makes me feel a little bit icky about the whole thing. So All yes, right. I won't be engaging, I won't be taking the pledge, I won't be watching. I might have a look to see what the fashion's like of the people in the crowd, Indeed. but that's about it.
1: Good on you Zoe, very good. Now by the way, just a re- recorrection there, Blinder stories title, uh, Climate Change, Blinder is a Senior Research Fellow at the Climate Change Research Institute at Victoria University, and uh, run off my feet with responses regarding that teacher, uh, whether it was uh, right or not. Wallace Stephen Franks was right, and half of New Zealand would agree.
2: Great show, sensible panel today.
3: <laughs> oh, thanks, Wallace. Can I get,
2: can I just draw people's attention to the Zelensky um, comedies? If you if you want to see the background to how he became president, it it's really. Yep. Um, the world following art in a really odd way, but what a, he's filmed doing a rant by a class, a person in his class. He's a history teacher. He's doing a rant about corruption in in um, Ukraine, and they posted it. Goes viral, and then the kids procure that he he's entered in the presidential race. I don't think he even knew that they did it, and but it's it, it's just. I was thinking of that when I was reading this poor teacher having a rant. It, it, it ended up very well for Zelensky or so far and, and very good for the Ukraine to have a teacher who did a rant.
1: Very interesting. Good heads up there, Stephen. <laughs> uh, although others say, look, there is a professional standard to uphold. What, what if I was to go to my boss or colleagues and yell and swear and belittle? Example by this teacher about not managing their emotions uh, is what I found offensive. So, yeah, thanks for all your uh, opinions on that. This is an interesting story, isn't it, and it's developing. Uh, KiwiRail says it is intent to get to the bottom of the train disruption in the capital this week. But the question remains if this is a symptom of a wider issue. For most of the week, trains running at half capacity due to KiwiRail's only track uh, evaluation car that broke down there's one in the country, it cost £3 million. The government has ordered a rapid review. And here is what KiwiRail Board Chairman David McLean had to say this morning at a select committee at Parliament.
2: We let the people of Wellington down this week. The fact that the EM80 track evaluation car needed mechanical work stopped us from getting the carpet line assessed in time. But underlying this was a scheduling failure we didn't pick up. That created the entire situation. This was completely unacceptable, and I apologise.
1: We let the people of Wellington down. With us is Rail Advocacy Collective National Coordinator Neil Robinson. Kia ora, Neil.
4: Yeah, uh, Kira Wallace. How are you? And hello, Zoe. And hello, Stephen. Kia ora.
1: We're all great, Neil. Did we? Were, were the people of Wellington let down?
4: Oh, they were indeed, Wallace. Absolutely, they were let down. Um, yeah Kiwi rail dropped the ball on this thing um, I think the big question is is it kiwi rail's fault or is it not it's definitely kiwi rail 's fault but uh, the question I have is should it be kiwi rail 's fault um because uh, it's it's a it 's a thing about below wheel uh track maintenance problems and so forth and the the uh, the tra- the tra- uh, rail advocacy uh, collective we we believe that Uh, the railways should be funded uh, the same way that roads are and administered the same way that roads are and we feel that uh, uh, Kiwi Rail has kind of ended up becoming a little bit of a whipping boy because every time something goes wrong uh, everybody points the finger at Kiwi Rail, they're no good and uh, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And we feel that that actually leads to a fairly negative idea towards rail in general, because, you know, rail never works. That's sort of a kind of a pervasive feeling in New Zealand. And you know, recently we've had the debacle of these rail ferries, which are yep. in their last decade of life. And, and there is an argument that you should never have uh, ships as old as that because they're unreliable.
1: Can yeah. I ask Ed can I jump in because I want to get to the panel. Who but, should be doing the maintenance. Should uh, Kiwi Rail be doing their own maintenance or should we have a form of wakakotahi for rail?
4: Yeah, sort of a wakakotahi for rail. Uh, well, you know, the, um, that's the way it works with roads, uh, wakakotahi, NZTA, do all the administration and maintenance of the roads and so forth on contract and so forth for various uh, organisations. And the same needs to be done for rail. I would suggest that Waka Kotahi is probably not the best. They're more road-orientated, so I think uh, you need a specialist no, rail. No, sty- or-
1: Waka style, I mean. Neil, stay there. Let's bring in our panel. They are from Wellington. They'll have plenty of views on this. <laughs> Stephen Franks, you first.
2: Oh. I would have thought letting the people of Wellington down is, must infuriate the people in Auckland who have been disrupted
1: <laughs> for years. Well, I didn't want to say that. Yep, but,
2: and mm-hmm. I, I'm sick of apologies. Um, yeah. I, I want to know a whole lot of things. For example, why is the track so much more dangerous this week than last week? This seems to be a regulatory thing that they're responding to. Is it a genuine safety problem?
4: Yeah, um, no, it, it, it's as you say, it's a regulatory thing.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. With the thing these regu- we're getting these all the time. It's not just a problem with Kiwi Rail. It's a New Zealand problem now that no one does a cost-benefit analysis to say, is the real risk worth the disruption? It's the same as when the police are investigating an accident and they block a highway for a morning for something that at most is end up, going to end up with someone charged with a carelessness offence. It's not as if someone wicked or evil has been there. It's trivial, but as soon as it's a health or safety issue, they think they can throw away all considerations of inconvenience and cost. And here, and he, you know, this machine, I'm sure, is very good, but it would have been done by someone walking along the track and measuring the spread and measuring the wear and looking for looseness, and surely someone should have the power to say, let's reintroduce some cost-benefit analysis.
4: I agree agree with you 100% Stephen I've I've, had a on Facebook there was an engine driver who put something across and he says basically most of the engine drivers who are driving across the line uh, could tell you where all the dodgy parts are and and most of the surface people know where they've recently done maintenance and so forth so uh, you could just speed restrictions on localised dodgy bits and and the rest of it you could go through but unfortunately the way they work safety things nowadays they're far too global and they're not too um, um, sort of short term and uh, so if this machine hadn't actually done the uh, examinations by such and such a time, then it is declared unfit. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's a, a, a totally uh, silly way of doing things. And um, and I, I believe that things should be done on a more localised basis and a, and a short-term risk process rather than these global long-term risks, which are very
1: inaccurate. Zoe?
3: Yeah, I am a bit of a fan of the train. I'm a regular user of the train when I don't catch the bus because the bus normally doesn't show up. Um, uh, But then the trains have not started. You know, this week there's been mass disruption because of this um but again you know trains aren't coming on time either and and this isn't you know a kiwi rail issue but we've got some major events particularly the women's football world cup coming up in yes. public transport including the trains uh is a really important talking point. We've got hundreds of thousands of people coming to not only Wellington, but New Zealand for this massive global tournament. Good and point, our Zoe. infrastructure mm. is just not there. And we're going to look silly if we don't get it sorted, like, tomorrow, you know? It's, a, yeah, it's important. I, I agree with you.
4: Um, and in Auckland, it's an absolute debacle. And you're quite right, Steve. You know, Aucklanders, we seem to have shrug our shoulders. Yeah, yeah the whole... Systems system's been closed down in part and so forth, and we just sort of get on with it. Um, um, that's why I was quite uh, pleased that the people of Wellington at least stood up and said, Hey, we're not going to have this. Well,
1: the issue was, I guess, you know, can I just jump in and say, because you're right, people are from walking to uh, testing in, but Wellington for years prided itself as being the city where um, public transport really delivered. What's happened?
4: happened um well this is this is actually a, a minor problem really but which is uh, accentuated by the the rule setting programs that, that steven's just alluded to um but i would also say that um you know you'd have to say that you know kiwi rails okay basically they do a reasonably good job um, and they've already ordered a new track evaluation car this thing's 43 years old but they've dropped the ball in this particular instance and that's just basically somebody did, didn't do their job properly they didn't um, uh, schedule the thing in for the right time. They actually scheduled it in for after the compliance date was over and so forth. So uh, you know, and then it broke down. So Good yeah, okay. so
1: it was um, a yeah, you know, horrible thing. Zoe, uh, Zoe, how are you getting home uh, tonight? And can train? You be?
3: Assured,
1: <laughs> and can you be assured to get a, get a seat? Uh,
3: it'll, be, it'll
1: be going on time.
3: Yeah, I ho- I really hope so. If not, I'll just I'll just have to Uber home, which is. Not too expensive, but it's more expensive than catching the train. So public transport is actually really cheap. I think it costs me like two bucks each way, which is super cheap on my little Snapper card. But there are mornings I jump on the train because the train is late or it hasn't shown up, and it's chocker. Uh, It feels it feels like being on the Tokyo subway. (laughs) Um, There's just people everywhere, and it's you know, and yeah, it's a bit of a challenge at times. Mm. Neil.
4: one it's final point now, neil. and uh, up to company, I think so if you 're going that way, you should be all
1: right neil thank you that 's Neil Robinson, uh, rail advocacy collective national coordinator. Uh, someone says Stephen Franks is absolutely right. How can the track be good yesterday, but not today? Uh, silly regulatory obligations is this person 's view regular maintenance is a safety necessity. I see localizing maintenance falling prey something I like to call human nature and leading to disaster. So lots of feedback uh, on that Kiwi Rail issue. They're still ongoing. Uh, KiwiRail bosses fronted up to Parliament today. Well, to this, after a public outcry, uh, quite a few Wellington stories today. <laughs> well, it's um, but that's good. It's all very good. And the Wellington City Council has backtracked on its stance on reviewing sports ground fees. The Mayor, Torifano, said in March that the independent review would not happen because it would place further burden on ratepayers. However, two councillors, Nureddin uh, Adraman and seconder Terry O'Neill, helped turn around the council position. With us as Wellington councillor and football fan, Nureddin Adraman. Nureddin's on the line. Kia ora. Yeah, Wallace, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, look, uh, this affects thousands of parents and kids because you want to be able to get um, your Saturday sport to be a place where it's affordable or hiring that uh, pitch. Uh, Explain the issue for us. Uh,
5: Look, the issue currently is families paying to football clubs or any other clubs, and they do pay for the ground they use to the city council. And now they have asked during election time if we can look at look at it, if that the money they, they're they paying to Wellington City Council is just fair. And what? now that is what we're going to
1: do. Liz, Zoe, you you can jump in. You'd be all over this.
3: Yeah, so the journalist who wrote this for Stuff, I was actually sitting next to when she wrote it. So uh, a lot of this story is my input as well. But the cost of sport is a huge barrier to participation and engagement in sport for so many New Zealanders, particularly children. Uh, And just today as well, College Sport Wellington have announced its support for capital football and withholding payment of Wellington City Council ground charges while they consider their own options They said uh, to hire or play in school gyms, for example, costs about $45 per season, but school teams playing at council venues pay roughly $450 a season. So this is a huge barrier. Goodness gracious. Right. Uh, it's a mm. lot of money, um, and we want sport offers so many goods—physical, mental, social. We we want to bring and connect our communities, and particularly as we go back to the football World Cup again. You know, football is looking to try and grow its player base, but if it's unaffordable, if That'd sport be... overall is unaffordable, then it's just not going to grow.
1: Okay, oh, look, stay there in the red and I'll bring Stephen, in, yeah. and you can respond to both, Stephen
2: Franks. Yeah. I was intrigued that the that the way it's being reported anyway is that. The Mayor expected that, if there was a review, it's a burden. It was sort of prejudging the outcome of the review i'd have thought if you were if you've promised to have a review, surely you can have a review and get the relevant principles explored and it may be the review says it's they're paying too much or paying too little, but I'm just baffled at why you would renege on a political promise to have a review when it doesn't commit you to anything other than to look at it rationally anyway. It, I think the Good story question. should have explored said, what are the criteria that they apply? How much of the genuine cost of these playing facilities is recovered? Uh, how how cost-sensitive are people to it? Uh, per game, it might be quite a lot, quite very little, but it might not be. Mm. Can you respond to that?
5: So, um, look, what the motion, the notice of motion that I moved and seconded by Councillor O'Neill
1: is look, want to look We'll try and get the and back there. Uh, nonetheless, that's a uh, good question there, Stephen. Nonetheless, I'm just looking at the figures here, and it is a bit of money for families to stump up though, isn't it?
3: Oh, well, and not just fees. You have to remember that there are other elements that cost for us to participate in sport. So transport, um, clothing, shoes. Do you know how expensive a good sports bra is? Uh, lack of access to things like sports bras, for example, and proper clothing for girls inhibits their ability to play and participate in sport. A good sports bra is going to put you back at least $85. So if you put all of those things on top of one another... Sport is just out of reach for so many people, and it's a basic fundamental human right. So it's something that we need to. I know you're laughing, but it's un, according to the International Olympic Committee, it is. And then, you know, there are constitutions around the rights of children to be able to play. Um, we should no. be encouraging and making sure that we are addressing this issue because cost is a barrier.
2: I'm just laughing as a lawyer at the <laughs> idea that, that it's a, a right. I, I'm sure it's a good. And my kids have all been sports mad, in fact, mm. to the point where I was had very little to do in the weekends in the family because they were all swimming or doing something. No. But, but um, uh, you know, I, I'd just like to know what the principles are. I'd like to, I assume that that there's a huge rate subsidy to it. I'm, From the far as I'm concerned, I'm happy for that. That's the sort of thing I want the council mm. to spend on. Yeah, me too. Much more Well, the
1: Redden is back. Just one final comment from the Redden. You, uh, you, you popped out there, in the Redden. Just a f- final comment before you, we, we leave you.
5: So look what I'm what I'm saying is I got a children who plays um football. I myself my second religion is football. <laughs> and I wanted how we can make it easy and affordable for our kids. And currently the you know the cost of living is high and then when you register in this football example you pay about $160 for registration fee. On top of that you have to pay for the food for yeah. the boots which going to cost you about 140 and you buy socks shin pad. Pants, 400 plus for a child. This is not something that as a city we should be seeing as unacceptable. So we can do something. We can start by looking at how much we are currently charging, and that is why we need the independent review, which is supported by all councillors, including the mayor. I think that is something that we promised during election. And now we want to do it in moving forward.
1: Good on you, Nureden. We'll come back to the story because, uh, you know, um, uh, the fees, uh, removing the barriers for to play sport, it's a pretty big topic, isn't it? Nice to have you on. There's uh, Nureden Abdraman, a Wellington councillor and football fan. It's 8 to 5, the panel. I'm back tomorrow with you. uh, And uh, always a pleasure to be with you, by the way. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your... Uh, for your responses this afternoon. But to this, I thought, oh, this is a wonderful thing to acknowledge. 65 years on the tools, in an era where five years at a job will get your morning tea. I thought I'd acknowledge a worker planning to retire after 65 years, working as a mechanic. And he said at 81, he doesn't think he can keep going. He's not Joe Biden, but he is a local legend, though. With us is Bob Udi and Wayuku. Bob, Welcome to the panel on Radio NZ.
6: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Oh, lovely to have you on, Bob. A mechanic your whole life, Bob. What yes, year? I, did, what, what year did you start? The twentieth of January, nineteen fifty-eight. <laughs> you, you're, you're. It's very clear in your mind, there, Bob. The, the, well, well, it
6: probably is because I've, I've had, I've had it sixty years to think about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 20th of January 1958, I can imagine, can I ask you straight up what's the biggest change in the motor vehicle since 58?
6: Well um, it's always the, the, the reliability is the biggest thing as far as I'm concerned we used to, when I first started we were not a, a big place we, we were in Waikiki. we were the biggest garage in Waikiki. but we were averaging an engine hall probably about once every week to 10 days nowadays you don't do an engine over- overhaul for 10 years wow and and that's part of everything that goes with it It's see i think it's a it's a um, oil the oil thing where they've made oil so much better that the, the the uh steel is so much better they can make that better better wearing better parts and that sort of thing and then of course computers come along and um if you'd told me when I was starting off that we're going to have a computer in a in a motor car, I'd tell you, you're bloody nuts, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bob, it's just extraordinary what a career Stephen France. Not many be- people compete with sixty-five years in one job.
2: No, they can't. Bob, Bob um, yes. I came from a garage. My father, our family business, my dad's business was Frank's Motors, and so I've been there and and. Um, Seen or even assisted to the valve grind, which no one would do these days. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wondered, how, how, did you have any apprentices? I'm just, is it? Well,
6: yes. I, I, I finished some apprentices off that came to me were having difficulties, and I, that I, I over the years since I had my own business, and it wasn't until 1980 that I, I did three or four apprentices then But I was involved in my early days. I was a service manager at Hutchison and Knight up to 1972, and. Um, we we put uh, regularly a, a new apprentice every twelve months came in, and so I've helped to train the apprentices. But um, in the last ten or fifteen or twenty years or fifteen years or so, I haven't trained apprentices.
2: Just guys like you in a rural community, in a farming community, are absolutely critical. And you you go and stand in the workshop of someone like you, and it's just awesome <laughs> the variety <laughs> of things you can fix. Mm. Yeah,
6: well, you know, I've just like <laughs> like today I've been fixing a bracket on on, on a 200-ton on crane.
3: Gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, not, not that
6: the crane wasn't here, but just the bracket off it, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, you're, uh,
3: you remind me of my grandfather, who's nearly 90, and they still have a farm, and he still gets out and about and does things in his retirement. So, Bob, I want to know, what are you going to do in your retirement? Will you still work on cars?
6: No. <laughs> 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 well, that's the point of it, isn't it? You know, I've yeah. probably done my d- title and duty. I've got a nice car at home. It shouldn't sort of need me to fix it. So um, I'm not going to do cars. I'll, I'll, I'll probably get rid of my spanners somehow. But really? uh, yeah, but there will be things I'll play with. But um, you know, I've, I've been there, done that. Um, you know, I've just had a hydraulic ram brought in that's, that's broken, I've got to fix that, I've got a hydraulic hose that's just arrived and they've got a car on the horse and they can't get it down until I fix the hose. Mm. And, and and then there's all sorts of other things that happen all the time, you know, and, and hay balers was a thing that I, I started doing then, that's why I started in business in 1977.
1: Gosh, the year Star Wars came out, Bob, just finally, just briefly, any advice to those young ones listening today to get into a decades-long career?
6: Uh, well, just love what you're doing and, and, yeah. and be good at it. Have a good memory. Because <laughs> your memory, only learned by your mistakes, so you remember all your mistakes, you're not a bad <laughs> fellow afterwards. <laughs>
3: Great
1: advice. Yeah, nice one, Bob. Very, very good to have you on. Thank you. And uh, are you going to be enjoying the, are you going to take some time off, watch the coronation?
6: No, I'm going down the river duck shooting.
1: <laughs> Love it.
6: Well, that's, that's probably, <laughs> we'd better not get too involved in that. <laughs> no, Bob,
1: that's another story, isn't it? Hey, yes, lovely to have you on. And look, all the best for all those years of service uh, yep. on the tools and the mechanics.
6: No, thank you very, very much. And it has been good. And you just meet so many nice people and and good customers keep coming back and they're just lovely oh. people as well and re- very good people
1: Yeah, you'll miss that, eh? Kia ora, Bob And yes. as you say, Stephen you know, it's it's people like Bob that make a community turn
2: around, huh? Yeah, I certainly do in a rural area without them, the machinery will stop mm. Mm.
3: Incredible, yeah. incredible
1: Very good indeed Well, you've both been fantastic Good to have you in, Stephen It's been so long So it's nice to hear your voice and your vibe again Thank you Uh, Stephen Franks there, also Zoe George the Wellington panel this afternoon I am Wallace Chapman, I am back tomorrow for Power Ballad Friday it's always a pleasure 3.45 that is and Checkpoint with Lisa Owen is next